It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, December 2nd. The sale of a beautiful home on Shawnee Bend will help feed the needy at Lake of the Ozarks. Dave Leathers, owner of Lake of the Ozarks headquartered publishing company, Showcase Publishing, presented a check for $5,000 to representatives from Share the Harvest on Tuesday, November 29th. The donation was made possible by the sale of the Inspiration Home, a Southern-inspired home built by Showcase Publishing on Shawnee Bend. On November 8th, Missourians voted yes on Amendment 3, which legalized recreational use of marijuana. Starting December 8th, the state will begin transitioning its medical marijuana license to recreational ones. The transition process will take until February, so that means recreational marijuana should be available in a few months. Consumers will be allowed to have 3 ounces of dried marijuana flour or its equivalent. More information about marijuana in Missouri at lakeexpo.com. And Christmas festivities galore this weekend. There will be tree lighting ceremonies in Camdenton, Stover, and for sales on Saturday, as well as the Eldon Lighted Christmas Parade. Two charitable events are also happening this weekend. Lake Area Christmas for Kids will be held at the Encore, and Forget Me Not Horse Rescue will host their popular holidays with the Horses event. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Like news events, boating, and the lake life, Lake expo.com Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-2800-532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. We've got three high school football state championship games today. Class 2, 4, and 5. In Class 2, it'll be Blair Oaks taking on Lamar for the championship. Class 4, St. Mary's of St. Louis against St. Dominic. Uh, That's for the Class 4 title. And in Class 5, Fort Osage and Francis Howell will play for the state title. Two more games tomorrow. Class 1, it's East Buchanan against Adrian. And in Class 3, Cardinal Ritter will take on Reed Spring. Class 6 state championship was played last weekend. Christian Brothers College, an overtime winner over Lee's Summit North. As for high school basketball, Lake TV's high school basketball action will start Thursday, December 15th, with for sales at home to Smith Cotton. You can see that game on Lake TV. And then Monday, December 19th, it's the annual rivalry showdown between Camdenton and Osage. See that game on Lake TV on Monday, December 19th. That's high school basketball coming up on Lake TV. 
football last night. It was the Bills beating New England to get the uh, week started in the NFL, week 13. Chiefs will take on the Bengals, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. That's in Cincinnati. Chiefs are 9-2. and two. The Bengals are 7-4, and four, both red hots of late. The Chiefs have scored 326 points, given up 243. That means they've outscored their opponents by 83 so far this year. Chiefs with a three-game division lead on the Chargers. College football, so it's conference championship weekend. Last weekend before uh, the bowl games and the the, uh, national semifinals, the college football playoff rankings, top four right now are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC followed by Ohio State and Alabama. College hoops, tomorrow it's the MSU Bears. They're 4-3 at home to Bradley. On Sunday, 8-0 Mizzou will be at home against SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. They're all greatness. And don't forget to check out Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour on Lake TV. He's got some trivia for you and so much more. That's Uncle Chris on Lake TV, top of the hours. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire and streaming live all the time at my. LakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Is the Earth just a speck in the cosmic void, or are we living on a privileged planet? Researchers at the Discovery Institute have been pioneers in identifying intelligent design in nature, and our planet seems perfectly configured and placed in the universe for our advantage. Its distance from the sun provides the best range of temperature, The magnetic field and atmosphere shield life from harmful radiation. Our placement in the galaxy finds us outside of the densely crowded galactic center. Our galactic location even gives us nights that are dark enough for stellar observation and discovery. Evolutionary scientists say the presence of all these factors is just luck, but that doesn't sound very scientific to me. Our planet was designed not just for us to live, but also to explore and learn about the cosmos. Maybe it's we who are privileged. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received.
If you'd like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, The Key. Well, here we are back in the friendly confines of the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors for yet another adventure into, uh, I dare not say broadcast excellence, because there's somebody else who, uh, who did that and did it very well. And he was once behind the golden EIB microphone. He's looking down on us now going, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is going on down there? He said, I, I tried to stick around as long as I possibly could, but the good Lord had other ideas in mind for me. You are listening to The Daily Show. It is a beautiful day at the lake right now. I think we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50 degrees in Osage Beach. Let us uh, double check, shall we? Of course, you can hear the uh, the voice of my guest who's hanging out with us for the hour, JR, who I was uh, didn't have to twist his arm. I didn't have to do a whole lot to get him in here this morning, but we're certainly glad that he is here. 51 degrees now in Osage Beach, 49 in Camdenton, 60 to the high. So that's nice, but it's not going to last. Uh, I would say embrace it and make the most of this day. Skirt alert, as they say, with the winds out of the south-southwest at about 15 to 25 miles per hour. I'm so glad that I got out yesterday and worked in the yard and tried to get some of those leaves under control. But they'll all be back up around the house. <laughs> Didn't burn them. I just uh, just pushed them, pushed them back into the now woods. Now you know what it's like to be uh, working at the post office. Yeah, really? <laughs> now you know why people show up with Uzis. That's right. Well, <laughs> 26th the low with showers early, then clearing overnight. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and 39. Sunday, mostly cloudy and 49. Showers in 52 on Monday, clouds in 44 on Tuesday, cloudy in 50 into the middle of next week as we officially get into the month of November. Uh, now this, the second day of November 2022, is almost over. What a year it's been, man. It's just been like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know about you, JR, but a cold slap of reality to the face. 2022 has been, it's been my wake-up call, my wake-up year, and uh, a lot of different things going on. I have to start out the program by saying two things. First and foremost, happy birthday to Barbara Bunch, one of the most awesome women on the face of God's green earth, and uh, I've known Barbara for a lot of years, and she is a force to be reckoned with. She is a machine. There is no doubt about it. So if you see Barbara, you know Barbara. Wish her well. I don't know that she'll uh, sit down and drink with you. Uh, she might have a non-alcoholic beverage, but uh, hey, that's fine. That's a good way to celebrate your birthday because in the next day you can remember all the stupid stuff you did, but I don't think we have to worry about that when it comes to Barbara Bunch. So Barbara, happy, 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 happy birthday to you. Also, I have a newfound respect for people who work in the hotel and condo industry, uh, those folks that have to clean hotel rooms and condos after people come in and spend a, a night or several days or a weekend or a week. I did that last night. I helped my girl uh, with the uh, the condo, and uh, we did a lot of different stuff in there, got it all cleaned up. And I tell you what, it was uh, it was interesting to see all of that. It's interesting to see, you know, what you learn more than anything else about when you clean a condo is how people live. You know, if they're you know coming in and they're uh, maybe a little uh, cognizant and aware of the fact that this is not your actual home, but they live in it like it is, and you find all kinds of interesting stuff. And you kind of have to wonder sometimes. You sit down and wonder. And they have what they call these mother-in-law suites. And I can see why they 
I called the mother-in-law suite. It's up. It's all on its own. The mother-in-law has no access to any part of the condo whatsoever. She does, but she she can't just like, you know, get up and walk down the hall and, hey, there's the family. No, she has to go through the door outside and then go through another door and then come back around. I, I think there's a whole method of madness that they put in place when it comes to the the what they call the mother-in-law suite. <laughs> there's a reason why she's up there or whoever you put in the mother-in-law suite there's a reason why they get that particular room yeah they've earned it they get the privacy you should be so lucky privacy that's that's a good way to put it jr that's absolutely a good J, uh, a good jrism the privacy uh how you doing this morning i'm extremely awesome and getting better as you have seen yeah uh, how was your thanksgiving my Thanksgiving was extremely quiet. I spent Thanksgiving at Golden Corral. The trough. Well, you know what? On occasion, it's nice because, of course, you go there, and you've got that wide variety of selections. Uh, you could have some Thanksgiving-based food. Uh, you could have maybe a little fish. You can have all kinds of desserts. And, and, of course, there's the salad bar, which I really enjoyed, the salad bar. I think this is the first year I've actually had, like, a salad, per se, for Thanksgiving. So we had three Thanksgivings. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, one for the family, one for my dad's side, one for my mom's side. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, one with hy V catering it, one with Butcher Shop, one with Deerberg's, and yeah. that's the way to do it. Let me just tell you. Just get it catered. Just grab a box at the store and, and, and take it home, warm it up, and eat it, and that's that's the way. Yeah, It's what money well spent. Miss Vicky probably appreciated that. Uh-huh, yes. She actually uh it was it was a lot of fun. We had a blast. Now did you have turkey all three days? We had turkey and ham all three days. Oh nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was great. It was really nice. And guess what? All the leftovers are gone. They none of it went to waste. It's amazing. It's a miracle. It's never happened. See, I, I could see you sitting down and just packing away the food, but you never put on a pound. I do. <clears throat> and your metabolism I, I, is so high. Uh yeah. Humming, hummingbird metabolism. <laughs> so I, <laughs> you're gonna like this. I finished off the uh, entire pineapple upside down cake. You ate a all whole to myself. Yes. Oh, finished it yesterday for breakfast. <laughs> and you thought thought Wheaties was the breakfast of champions. So that reminds me, I need to apologize to you for for you being uh, out Wednesday before last. That was mm -hmm. probably my fault. I came in here and wasn't feeling well, and so I'm guessing I gave it to you. No, uh, man, I, I apologize. I didn't even if that was me. I didn't even think about but it. But you know, unlike Fauci, I, I'm an advocate for. Um, You're straight up. <laughs> <laughs> you were the carrier. You were the infector. Yes. Uh, let's all have it. Was it was all it a manufactured be virus? Stronger, right? Yeah. Heard heard. Uh, what you call it, immunity? Yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, well, and, and now, here's the thing about this. Our, our, our opponents have herd mentality, but we have herd immunity. <laughs> That's nice to know. That that does help out. But um, this guy is, is, is not done by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe he's done, you know, as the, uh, the, the health czar or whatever you want to call this guy. But I see a very bright future, unfortunately, for him as a consultant, you know, being uh, on the on the talk show circuit, being on the news channel circuit. And uh, whenever they have a, a disease that pops up, you know, they're trying to thin out the herd in terms of the human population, the human race. And I talked about this guy yesterday that's an advocate for that sort of thing. He says, feed them, just don't breed them. 
And his whole goal is to do away with the human race so the biosphere can repair itself. And I found that on truthsocial.com. <laughs> I actually, I, I, was, I was tooling around the other night, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of these different websites out there. Uh, but this Truth Social website, uh, it really does contain a lot of interesting information. It really one of, does. One of which is my favorite, the Gateway Pundit. And then uh, Resist the Mainstream is another one. Uh, you know, my primary topic for today is straight off of Truth Social. Mm-hmm. I see my fidget still here. Is that yours? It's something. Well, I don't. It's been here every time I've been here, so it's something <laughs> to play with, which is nice. Got to keep you. Got to keep you occupied. But before we get to that, I yes. wanted to tell you that for the first time uh, since it was ever created, thanks to your good friend at Apple, uh-huh. Tim Cook. Yeah. He's my buddy. We're tight. Yep. Uh, the, the Peanuts, Charlie Brown Christmas, won't be on uh, broadcast television for the first time ever. And why is that? Is is, is there too much in there that, that that could confuse people? Well, he does quote scripture. Linus does. Oh. So I'm, surpri- oh, right. I'm surprised yes. he's been on broadcast television this long. Yeah. Handed. Yeah, that's right. He sure does because they talk about... Uh, the baby Jesus being born in swaddling mm-hmm. clothes and, and everything else. Yeah, every time I saw that, was it ABC or CBS? It was like, I can't believe I'm hearing this. It's kind of like when I would read scripture on a microphone on, on uh, tra- terrestrial radio. It's like, it was like, I felt like I was really getting away with something. <laughs> you know, like like back in the, the 80s and 90s when we'd play like a 25-minute song. Oh, yeah. go outside and hang out for a while. <laughs> we were really getting away with something. <laughs> I remember... Uh, my first radio job where I was able to jimmy the, uh, the the music room door with like a credit card or something, and you'd go in there, and I was on probably midnight until six, and so there were there were times. Is this in Crestwood, Missouri? No, this was uh, okay. this was in uh, Columbia, Missouri, at the uh, now dark KFMZ. Oh yes, ninety eight three. Yes, uh, their owner had a fascination with, with with young boys. Mike Rice. Mm-hmm. And so he got in a little trouble. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> yes, let's move on. I'll tell you I'll tell you off air what I found at uh, the engineer's house uh, when he had me stay over there to wait uh, for the cable guy to show up because we were neighbors. We lived, we lived next door to each other. And he said, you know, I know you get off the air at 6, and uh, why don't you go over and crash at my place and just let the cable guy in when he comes by. And I saw something rather interesting, and I, I don't want to go into no. you know, a, a whole lot of detail on the air about it, but I'll tell you here shortly. Uh, let's see here. Um, but you jimmy the door, and you, you know you grab Rush 2112 and throw that on, <laughs> and you've got about uh, 25 minutes or so to go out and, and do a lot of different things. And I remember one uh, one year during the shootout, there was this guy oh, no. that took the uh, window out of the studio at KRMS and was working on his brakes. Because they're he they're said, your brakes. Huh? They're, they were your brakes. They're, they're my brakes now. <laughs> but at that, at that point, they were your brakes, which I thought was rather yeah, interesting. Yeah, Kenzie complains that that window still doesn't work right. Um, I'll tell you right now, it gets colder than I'll get out in that room because that uh, window is not in there properly and and i don't think you had anything to do with that probably not i didn't buy the window and we didn't and i only didn't, walked through it a lot <laughs> and you didn't install it either but we got new rotors and new calipers and new hoses and, and new pads that's what you do i mean if you're a board op you have <laughs> to find something to do with your time or you'll go crazy 
Uh, Anywho, so what did you want to? Uh, next, well, one more topic, okay. and I, that is that is the voter thing. I talked a lot of, uh, last time I was here about about why it wasn't perceived as a red wave, and and three uh, two factors about the red wave. I was, I was like, for starters, uh, you have this corrupt media, you have voter fraud, and you have other reasons. But I didn't I didn't really consider a third factor. I have since, and I wanted to um, square that circle, and that is the way that. The enemy within Mitch McConnell spends the money mm-hmm. um, in the Senate. He he was uh, he was not our friend. Let's put it that way. So uh, I just wanted to square that circle real quick before I got into the, the the topic I really wanted to talk about today is a term I've been hearing a lot lately. Have you been hearing the term fifth generation warfare? Yes. Have you have you gone into that much? I have not. No, I'm sorry. Well. Because I, 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 was Go gonna, I was just going to say, I saw something this morning that should scare the daylights out of anybody in broadcast media, and that's from the Gateway Pundit, and that's failed candidate Stacey Abrams now pushing for a position at the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, and why do you think that is? But we'll get into that later. <laughs> please, Go for it. Please, uh, no, please. I, I, I ask you to come in. I'd like to entertain your topics. So General Michael Flynn has been the one that's been using it a lot lately. That's where I've been seeing and hearing it is from General Michael Flynn. So I went to Wikipedia, and there really wasn't anything on it, not much. I do have that pulled up, and I can I can talk about it quickly about what it says on Wikipedia. It's just not really worth talking about. 5GW is warfare that is conducted primarily through non-kinetic military actions such as social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, along with emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and fully autonomous systems. Mm -hmm. Fifth generation warfare has been described, blah, blah, blah. See, there just wasn't that. that much on it here. The term fifth generation warfare was first used in 03 by Robert Steele. The following year, Lynn, the uh, it just talks about what people have said about it. But I I did find where you found stuff, and that was on True Social. I just went to True Social and did a search and found uh, an interesting headline, and it was from AmericaFirstReport.com, and the headline says, "Were the COVID pandemic and Hunter's laptop engagements of fifth generation warfare?" by Mark Schwindau. Can I read it? Absolutely. After the COVID-19 pandemic and mainstream media's neglect of the Hunter Biden laptop from Hell Story in 2020, people are starting to have conversations and ask questions. Some kind of que- some of the key questions include and there's like 10 bullets here. Um probably the most interesting and intriguing question is was this first attempt at fifth-generation warfare? I'll get back to the bullets in a minute, but let's go through the first, second, third, all the. Let's describe the first-generation warfare. If you're not familiar with the term fifth-generation warfare, most of us were not. While there is some disagreement as to the divisions of warfare over time, in general, the five generations of warfare can be broken down as follows. First generation refers to ancient and post-classical battles fought with massed manpower using a phalanx, which is men in columns and rows, mm-hmm. with uniformed soldiers, uh, soldiers governed by the state. Swords, spears, bows with arrows, shields, and body armor were indicative of these battles. Second generation, this term was created by the United States military in 1989. 
It marked the advent of the rifled musket and breech-loading weapons that used black powder or gunpowder. Rifled projectiles flew longer distances with greater accuracy to target than previous firearms. Third generation is said to be a period where facing your enemies in phalanx columns and rows gave way to trying to outmaneuver and flank your enemy on the battlefield for a greater tactical advantage. Speed, stealth, and surprise were often used to confuse and panic the enemy when they found themselves seemingly or really surrounded. This was less a generation of weaponry than a tactic. Fourth generation, this is a conflict where there is a blurring of the lines between war and politics as well as combatants and civilians. The war in Vietnam might have been a good early example of this generation of warfare. Civilians caught up on the way would adapt to whichever armed personnel was occupying their villages at the moment, Viet Cong or American military. Their end game was less about war and politics than simply working to stay alive. Terms that come out of this phase of warfare include guerrilla, terrorist, rioters. Such players make it difficult for enemies to identify a focal point to deliver a conflict-ending blow. Finally, fifth generation involves using non-kinetic military actions, which could use social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, artificial intelligence, and fully autonomous systems. Author Daniel Abbott wrote this generation war of information and perception. Operation Mockingbird refers to the CIA's 1970s involvement in journalism. The CIA is said to have bribed college students and legacy journalists and reporters to write CIA versions of events. Then-Senator Frank Church established the Church Committee to investigate government operations and potential abuses. During this investigation, the CIA admitted admitted its manipulation of the mainstream media. So the question, back to the headline, were the COVID pandemic and Hunter's laptop engagements of fifth-generation warfare? And again, that question. Um, after the COVID-19 pandemic and mainstream media's neglect of the Hunter Biden laptop story from hell in 2020, people are starting to have conversations and ask questions. Some of the key questions include, here we go, here's the bullets. Was this a man-made gain-of-function virus made intentionally to lower the world population? Number two, was it really a lab? Was it released from a lab intentionally, and if so, who was responsible? Number three, did American taxpayer dollars go into the development of this virus? Number four, who profited off the pandemic? Number five, was burying the Hunter Biden laptop story election interference? Number six, were governmental agencies involved in burying the Hunter Biden laptop story rather than actively investigating and uh, prosecuting it? Uh, number seven, who labeled the Hunter Biden laptop story, quote, Russian disinformation, which was knowingly an outright lie? Finally, number eight, if the public had known about this laptop from hell and its contents, would that have swung the 2020 general election to Donald Trump? Now, we've got a guy on the radio who always says that 15 percent of the people, um, po- uh, after being polled, 15 percent said that it, they would have changed their vote. Mm-hmm. I argue that's. The moot point, it doesn't matter because they're going to steal the election anyway. So it doesn't really even matter how that was swayed. Uh, The reason I'm so focused on this is because last time I was here, I was saying that we're in um, a a war. Mm -hmm. 
in the United States for our survival, for our very survival. And we don't realize we're in a war because guns and grenades aren't being thrown around. It's all informational, but it's still an existential war. That's my opinion. And I don't think you're going to change my mind on it. I'm pretty, sh- pretty sure. Well, I think it in- inevitably that is the goal of how they want to fight wars these days. It's no longer about uh, you see tanks and planes and, and troops going into battle. Uh, everything can be done, as we well know, because look at these, um, these folks that go out and take companies hostage. And they say, you can have your information back if you pay this amount of money. And it would seem so easy to be able to go in. Uh, you know, you're, you're profiteering from it at that point. You're, you're making uh, or trying to make some sort of money on this deal. But wouldn't it be as easy for uh, countries to find these people that are able to do this sort of thing and put them in a position to shut down, let's say, for example, the electric grid and or... Uh, things that you and I would normally do when we uh, want to go to our bank. We are denied access through the use of an ATM. We're denied access through even going into the bank and, uh, you know, filling out a form to, uh, let's say, withdraw some money. Because computers, as fun as everybody thought they were in the beginning, are now being used as tools. uh, And I think it's easy to say. And you can check this out. I found uh, it's like a, uh, a whole list of topics I typed in fifth generation war. Go to graydynamics.com, and they have what is called, uh, here, let me scroll back up to the top, an introduction to fifth generation warfare. And it's dated uh, March 31st, 2022 from the Radio Research Group. And it breaks down all the topics. How I learned to stop worrying and love 5GW. What is 5GW? Orange, origins rather. Uh, fitting a fifth-generation warfare puzzle piece into a fourth-generation playing field, the attribution problem, the birth of fifth-generation, and it, it's just a whole list of topics, and you can read up on just exactly how all of this works. And uh, again, I think you know, and we, we've got ways now. Uh, to send drones out after people. You don't have to send in the SEALs anymore. Uh, So much can be done from right here in this country or in other countries. Uh, Certainly we know that Russian hackers and Chinese hackers exist. And to what degree will they be used in order to slow the United States down? I would say at some point you could almost say that China could put themselves in a position where they say, well, hey, United States, if you don't pay off the part of the debt that uh, we own, we're going to shut everything down in your country, and they will have the absolute uh, uh, ability to do so through things like your cell phone, through things like your computer. And there was always questions that were put out there as to whether or not, you know, a lot of these products are produced in China. They put a little something in there that, you know, they've got like the, the master switch that they can throw, and everything goes dead. I mean, come on. In, in, in all seriousness, do you do you understand the amount of widespread panic there would be if somebody couldn't use their cell phone, <laughs> and and, yeah. and and then and then double that and triple that and quadruple that and you know to the fiftieth power, whatever. Look at the amount of, of 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 issues, problems, and and to some degree, I guess even carnage that could be caused by people not having the ability to utilize their cell phones, their laptops, their tablets, whatever. Well, uh, it, the, the Chinese are capable of anything. I wouldn't put anything past your good friend, Tim Cook. Don't forget, they actually... Uh, whenever, Why do you keep calling him my good friend? <laughs> just razzing you. Uh, don't forget that whenever um, Russia invaded Ukraine, 
they asked Elon Musk to shut off all the Teslas in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but this is more about a propaganda war. Well, and there you go. There's another aspect of it. Not only are we talking <laughs> about things that we have on us on a regular basis, but now you're talking about the ability to shut down vehicles. Let's say you're traveling down the interstate at, uh, you know, 60, 65, 70 miles an hour. You're hitting the autobahn as fast as you can, and all of a sudden your car just goes... <laughs> Well, when we were looking at getting a Tesla, I mentioned that to Jack. I said, what about the ability to shut the car off? He says, you have OnStar in, in some of your cars. They can do it today mm -hmm. already. It's already been there. What are you worried about? We're going to take a quick bottom of the hour break, come back and talk some more with JR. The phone lines are open. The Key Radio Community Hotline at 573-633-5395. We go through life not thinking about the true consequences of the investments that we make. And certainly when you invest in things like cell phones, computers, vehicles, anything that has a computer chip in it is susceptible to exactly what it is. Uh, JR brought up with fifth generation warfare. Stacy Johnson has a check of local news with LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider taking a look at the wonderful, wild, wacky world of sports. It is high school football championship, state championship time. And unfortunately, none of our local teams are involved. We got there. We got to districts. We made it look good. And, boy, we hope that in the future that, uh, you know, this this takes off. And maybe we'll get that opportunity down the road. However, we've got it all for you now. And on the other side of that, we'll come back and talk some more with JR. Take your phone calls. Dave Moppet on the way with his Among the Dogwoods blog. He'll get it all out there for you to decipher coming up on The Daily Show and Key Radio. Stacey Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, December 2nd. The sale of a beautiful home on Shawnee Bend will help feed the needy at Lake of the Ozarks. Dave Leathers, owner of Lake of the Ozarks headquartered publishing company, Showcase Publishing, presented a check for $5,000 to representatives from Share the Harvest on Tuesday, November 29th. The donation was made possible by the sale of the Inspiration Home, a Southern-inspired home built by Showcase Publishing on Shawnee Bend. On November 8th, Missourians voted yes on Amendment 3, which legalized recreational use of marijuana. Starting December 8th, the state will begin transitioning its medical marijuana license to recreational ones. The transition process will take until February, so that means recreational marijuana should be available in a few months. Consumers will be allowed to have three ounces of dried marijuana flour or its equivalent. More information about marijuana in Missouri at lakeexpo.com. And Christmas festivities galore this weekend. There will be tree lighting ceremonies in Camdenton, Stover, and for sales on Saturday, as well as the Eldon Lighted Christmas Parade. Two charitable events are also happening this weekend. Lake Area Christmas for Kids will be held at the Encore, and Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue will host their popular holidays with the Horses event. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what 
What were the events? What are the things behind the scenes here? What, what led to this? Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present-day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why. It, well, it's because the news told us. Join Professor Jim Paisley Thursdays and Saturdays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. for the True History Professor Program on 89.3 The Key. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. We've got three high school football state championship games today. Class 2, 4, and 5. In Class 2, it'll be Blair Oaks taking on Lamar for the championship. Class 4, St. Mary's of St. Louis against St. Dominic. Uh, That's for the Class 4 title. And in Class 5, Fort Osage and Francis Howell will play for the state title. Two more games tomorrow. Class 1, it's East Buchanan against Adrian. And in Class 3, Cardinal Ritter will take on Reed Spring. Class 6-day championship was played last weekend. Christian Brothers College, an overtime winner over Lee's Summit North. As for high school basketball, Lake TV's high school basketball action will start Thursday, December 15th, with for sales at home to Smith Cotton. You can see that game on Lake TV. And then Monday, December 19th, it's the annual rivalry showdown between Camdenton and Osage. See that game on Lake TV on Monday, December 19th. That's high school basketball coming up on Lake TV. Football last night, it was the Bills beating New England to get the uh, week started in the NFL, Week 13. Chiefs will take on the Bengals, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. That's in Cincinnati. Chiefs are 9-2. and two, The Bengals are 7-4, and four, both red hots of late. The Chiefs have scored 326 points, given up 243. That means they've outscored their opponents by 83 so far this year. Chiefs with a three-game game division lead on the Chargers. College football, so it's conference championship weekend. Last weekend before uh, the bowl games and the the, uh, national semifinals, the college football playoff rankings, top four right now are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC, followed by Ohio State and Alabama. College hoops, tomorrow it's the MSU Bears, they're four and three at home to Bradley. On Sunday, eight and oh, Mizzou will be at home again and SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. They're all greatness. And don't forget to check out Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour on Lake TV. He's got some trivia for you and so much more. That's Uncle Chris on Lake TV, top of the hours. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire and streaming live all the time at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Every one of them. Seriously, like seven days a week. I'm here. Here's today's story. 
Patrick Mertens needed a kidney, and his daughter Kayla shared about his need on Facebook in January. Now, when people need kidney transplants, it can take years to finally get one. It's not uncommon for there to be quite a long line of people waiting for a transplant. Patrick is 64 years old and a school custodian, but he had not told any of his co-workers at Kimball Elementary School in Kimball, Minnesota, about his situation because he didn't want to inconvenience them and because he was more than thankful that they had set up a fundraiser to support his dialysis. But when Erin Durga, who is a third-grade teacher at Kimball, saw the Facebook post, she knew she had to do something. She reached out to him, and after undergoing tests, she got to know she was a match. The Mertens family could not believe it. Who expects a teacher to give their kidney to a custodian, said Mertens' wife, Linda. Aaron says that as a child, her father was a school band director for 30 years, and he told her that the first people she should befriend in a school are the building workers, which she obeyed with all her heart. She met Patrick after she moved to Minnesota in 2011, the same year Patrick moved too. After school, they would have chats about their kids, and Aaron learned that Patrick's wife ran a daycare facility, the same place her son Roan went, where the youngsters called Patrick Papa. Patrick and Aaron arrived at M Health Fairview University of Minnesota Medical Center in Minneapolis. Initially, Patrick was nervous, but Aaron calmed him down and insisted on speaking with him. After multiple requests, the hospital allowed her to speak with him and assured him that the surgery would be successful. The kidney transplant was a success, and Patrick has been calling Aaron an angel ever since. I told Aaron when I first woke up out of surgery, it was nothing I've ever felt before. It was a new life. And though the pandemic has kept them apart for a while, he still calls and sends flowers from time to time with thankfulness. Patrick's wife says she's our miracle. Our angel will forever be grateful for her. Well done, Aaron. That is commitment. That isn't just making someone's day. That's making someone's life. And it's definitely making a happy headline. Thank you for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3 The Key. Glad to have you back with us now at 841. It is a beautiful day to be alive and live at the Lake of the Ozarks. Enjoy this 60-degree weather, 62 for the expected high today. We are going to get some mileage out of that. A uh, south-southwest wind at about 15 to 25 miles per hour. Probably not a good day to burn. You might want to check with your local fire protection district first. Uh, they would probably uh, second that emotion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 62 the high, but then we'll have, uh, uh, we're going to drop down to 26 for the overnight low. Maybe some showers early, then clearing overnight. Partly cloudy, 39 tomorrow. Mostly cloudy, 49 on Sunday. Big Chiefs game on Sunday as well as they take on the pesky Cincinnati Bengals who knocked them out of things last year, right? Uh, showers and 52 on Monday. Rain chance at about 40 to 45% at this point. Uh, cloudy on Tuesday at a high of 44. 50 the expected high on Wednesday, Thursday. Again, some showers, but we really start to get into uh, that upper 30, mid to upper 40 degree weather as we continue to trudge our way through the month of uh, December. want to remind folks, no, don't forget to stop by um, Nick's True Value Hardware. See my buddy Chris Coulter over there and uh, grab a candy cane off the tree and go out and make some young person's Christmas. 
that much brighter. You can stop by uh, Monday through Friday from 2 to 6, tomorrow, Saturday from 11 until 5, Sunday from noon until 4. You select a candy cane from the tree and Nick's True Value Hardware. They also have candy canes available on the tree at the Tri-County YMCA in Osage Beach, just across the street from us. The canes are tied to a card with the name of a child in need in our lake community. You can purchase some gifts. $75 to $100 is what they're asking or what you can afford. Return the gifts with the card to Nick's True Value Hardware Store. And the Rotary Club will then deliver all gifts. Uh, you don't even have to wrap them. They'll take care of that. But I do believe they're asking folks to bring in a roll of wrapping paper with the gifts. And we stopped in last Saturday, got a little six-year-old girl's card. Cool. She wanted some crafts. She wanted some girly things. And uh, we uh, fulfilled her wishes. And so uh, Merry Christmas to that young girl. Merry Christmas to everyone. And thank you so much for uh, doing what the good folks do with uh, Lake Ozark Rotary Club. Uh, did you know Candyland has been around since uh, 1984? No. Yeah. 1984, they've been doing Candyland. You're not talking about the plantation from Django Unchained, are you? No. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Amazing. But, uh, no, it's been around since 1984. And uh, as, as of uh, this particular point... They have served over 12,500 local children. And uh, for one reason or another, if you'd like to make a cash donation because you just don't have time to get out there and shop, you can contact Kevin Wood at 636-262-8051, Ron Dodge at 573-578-9025, or Chris Coulter at 515-720-1925. Go uh, to Facebook and search Lake Ozark Rotary uh, Club-Noon. like their page for updates and more information, or maybe just join Lake Ozark. Do you belong to any of the uh, the, the, the clubs like Rotary or Kiwanis or the Elks or any of those? I do not. You do not? I thought about getting involved in that. I'm, you know, I'm getting to that point where when I got a little free time, I'd like to uh, maybe do something cool and, and help out some, some folks in our area. You know, I like being home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know what though. I think you help out people, and and a lot of people just don't know it. So thank appreciate you. that. Thank you for all the people that you've helped out, myself included. Eight forty five is our time. What uh, what did you have there? I actually before I resume this five GW yes, sir discussion, I do have one pebble in my shoe. Uh oh, that I would like to talk about, and Please. that is that is when we vote, we should vote one day. Uh huh. Somewhere along the way, uh, we decided to do absentee voting or early voting for the convenience of the voter, and I disagree with it. I think it's it's this little tiny um, pinhole that the left has driven a Mack truck through to steal our votes, to steal the election, because their policies wouldn't otherwise sell. Mm-hmm. Nobody would ever vote themselves into socialism. So they, like, do you really sincerely believe that Mitch McConnell honestly gets reelected every year? That's an absurd, or every six years? No way no way he's got like a six percent um approval rating six percent wow I, I, I can do a little better than that so you know i hear people saying oh you know it's really nice we already voted and i just think that you should vote one day and if you're out of town you're on vacation sorry you don't vote that year mm-hmm. excepting for the military or the overseas military you vote that day or you don't vote period if you don't take it that seriously you know if you can't what is it the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. If you can't be home for that, then just tough cookies. Well, I I think that lends itself to all of the people that don't vote and then complain about the uh, state of the the nation. Because if people really care, they get out there and vote. I mean, 
let, let's find something we can compare in terms of urgency when something happens, when something goes wrong. Uh, for example, your cell phone. When your cell phone screws up, don't you make the uh, trek to the cell phone store? Mm-hmm. If it if it's five miles, if it's 50 miles, if it's 500 miles from your house, <laughs> people will still drive that distance to get their cell phone taken care of. Now, voting, which, of course, could inevitably affect your cell phone in some way, shape, or form, uh, that's not such a big deal. Well, you know, I, I got to pick up the kids, and I got to drop off the kids, and then I got to go to work, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. Uh, voting, uh, to me, I mean, there's people around this world that don't get the opportunity that you get here in the United States. And I remember when there was, what was it, um, was it Iraq or was it Iran, when they allowed them the opportunity to go out and Iraq. vote? Iraq. The purple fingers. And they had purple fingers, Absolutely. And those people were just overjoyed. I mean, they were being watched like hawks, I'm sure, and maybe some of them aren't with us anymore because they, you know, caught them on tape or uh, were able to see through their veil or whatever. But the whole point being is those people, you know, people lived and died and never got the opportunity to vote, and then that happened in that country. And I don't know if it still happens or not. I'm sure it does. I haven't heard any different. But, uh, you know, that's how important voting is to people who can't have the opportunity. And that's, uh, again, why I think uh, certain people are attracted to this country that go through the process of citizenship the right way because at some point after they you know, become a citizen and go through all the uh, things that they're supposed to go through legally, uh, maybe they get that opportunity to vote. And when they do, they take it very seriously. So the, the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, our founding documents, the Bill of Rights, it's it's all about liberty, and it, to me, that's the struggle. That's the fight. That's what animates me is, is, is liberty, and the Constitution talks a lot about voting. It's our entire form of government. So that is why the left has set their sights on basically corrupting it and using it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what I'm saying is, okay, we tried absentee. We, we tried mail-in. We tried uh, early. No, it's, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Let's go ahead and make it one day. You show up, that's it. No other option, period. You know, years We're going to save our nation. Yeah, years ago, I always thought that that was the way we did it. Other than the military overseas ballots, I say you're, you're there or you don't vote. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just me. That's the pebble in my shoe. Because <laughs> I hear people saying, oh, this is really convenient, being able to go in and vote early. Well... That's great, but you're losing your nation. I have to agree with something. We were talking about fifth-generation warfare. Uh, amen, J.R. Liberty, says Ike Skelton. Uh, maybe why China buying us, buying up land, uh, take us from within. Now, there's a nice two-pronged attack. You come into the country, as the Chinese are doing. They're buying up Detroit like nobody's business and other parts of this country. And then you've got the people over there ready with the cyber attacks, so you've already got operatives in the country, and then you throw the switch in China, and guess what? Hey, it's a done deal, just like that. And and, and not a shot has been fired. Well, and that takes us back to, to, to Gen 5 and the, and the shots not being fired. Don't think that the, the Democrat Party at all wouldn't love to get us into a second civil war. They got us into one. They'd love to get us into another. And they really would love for a Trump 
Trump nation to rise up, and we could believe me, we'd take them out in a matter of minutes. These loafer wearers, these people that are supposed to be such great outdoorsmen, they, the only time most of them are in the outdoors is if they're on a tarmac. Right. Yeah. So the, 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 the fight is the fifth generation and, and Michael Flynn's the one that's talking about it. And Trump is going to Trump and the Patriots in the military, in my estimation, are in control. The game's already won and they're gonna defeat the evil left within without firing a shot. And this is how we're doing it. It's propaganda war and I've, i I talked about it a lot when I was on the air for nine and a half months. It's hard to fight a propaganda war and there's a lot of things that are going on that we don't recognize because it's propaganda is a really interesting topic. But Elon Musk uh is definitely a soldier. He's he's more like a major in this fight, uh in the propaganda war by what he's done by calling their bluff on Twitter. You know, Twitter was was built out of out of our money, out of DARPA funds. It was used, and it was all about being a, a propaganda wing for the deep state. And he never, they never thought about somebody just coming in and, and overpaying to buy it and make it private and taking control of it. They didn't see that coming. So it's a pretty exciting time to be alive. the The battles, uh, the war is already won, but we still have some battles to fight. In my estimation, at least, this is how I see it. But I did want to read something off of Badlands Media. And Badlands Media has a lot of authors, and some of them are really, really good. I love Badlands Media. And I wanted to read this one, and KB has agreed to indulge me to try to buzz through these paragraphs quickly because it talks a lot about what I'm talking about right now. You ready, sir? Go for it. It is often said that desperate times call for desperate measures. Far be it for me to disagree. That said, while the truism is often applied to the heroic side in a real or fictional scenario as a would-be hero or altruistic side is placed in a desperate situation only to propel them, and by extension their character arc over the growth vectors, they will need to overcome the odds and impart whatever point the story has in store for the audience. It holds true in the realm of the real. Leaving aside the realm of the fictional, then, the desperate times truism is almost always assigned to the side that is perceived to be losing whatever conflict is under the microscope, be it kinetic, emotional, or cognitive. And while I do believe we're living in desperate times as we continue to attempt to first parse and then map out the various twists and turns in an ongoing fifth generation war, some are only now becoming aware of where I disagree with the doomers refrain or those more prone to cynicism and closed pathway. Emotional thinking is that I believe the collective enemy are currently exhibiting the behavior far more readily than any patriots we might ostensibly refer to as these fighting as those fighting on our behalf on this movable often obscured game board whether you refer to them as the deep state the cabal or any number of names assigned to the globalist element that has infected society for decades if not centuries the reason writers and thinkers such as myself and many others at badlands media tend to refer to them as the finite or losing side in this fifth gen war is based on our consistent observations that they are expending valuable psychological narrative and even kinetic ammunition at an unsubstantial 
sustainable rate and to increasingly lackluster or self-defeating results. In short, as I began painting the picture months ago during my Righteous Russia series, the beast currently finds itself trapped in a ravine at the edge of the world. It has grown tired and is bleeding is bleeding from many wounds as hounds harry it from the edges and hunters sh shadow it from the cliffs. It is paranoid and reactive, more prone to lunging and swiping and biting than thinking. Its, moments, its movements are fast, and while still dangerous, its attacks are erratic. And each outward move it manages to action in order to prolong its sorry, hateful life only serves to push it one step closer to the moment it goes over the edge completely or collapses in the red-stained ice and snow it has dug bloody trenches in during its dying throes. You see, while the beast is doomed and while the beast knows it's doomed, to the hounds closest to its snapping maw, its torn, rippling hide, its sharp splitting claws it's still a deadly thing and one whose power seems magnified as it approaches its inevitable ending so then if we leave the realm of poetry aside a difficult task for me as my readers know all too well and focus on the actual in light of the ongoing shadow war what moves we have seen on the proverbial game board of late who has actioned them and who has reacted to them lately as I have argued in recent pieces and in recent appearances on the Badlands Media Network, Donald Trump, the closest thing we have to an anointed commander and leader of the global, yes, worldwide sovereign alliance that is rising to beat back the forces of Marxist communism, has been extremely active on the game board. As I argued in a recent piece entitled The Master, Trump's deployment in this fifth-generation war are almost always potential lately in nature. By this, I, mean, I have argued rarely in recent pieces, and in recent even when appearances he was on the Badlands Commander-in-Chief of the most Trump's powerful deployment in this fifth-generation war, they are rarely actual, always even in the political realm. In nature. By this, in terms I mean, of overt moves and counter-moves. No, his best moves are also his most oft-deployed, and these exist in the realm of narrative. When I refer to Donald Trump as a master, I'm referring to his ability to provoke all sides into strong engagements with whatever story he chooses to tell, where many, even those in his community, in this community, and ostensibly on Trump's side, often fall prey to his cleverness. However, it is, however, is in the reactions such narrative deployments provoke. While these reactions are understandable and even expected, they often appear to be silly and even embarrassing in hindsight. And when the emotional tide recedes, we're usually left with a section of the game board that has been rendered in more stark, obvious detail to us, and most certainly to Trump and his allies, than it was before he took the stage for his latest psychological magic trick. <laughs> As I argued in All Assets Deployed, here at Badlands Media last week, I believe Trump's recent announcement from the announcement of the announcement on November 7 to the announcement of his candidacy for 2024 on November 15 to his recent deployment to counter the weaponization of the Department of Justice on November 18 served several purposes at once. Number one, in appearing weak when he was, in fact, stronger than ever on the eve of another contentious and largely fraudulent election cycle, and one that was far more successful for our side than cynics would have you believe, Trump managed to get all of the wolves in sheep's clothing 
in Con Inc. and the controlled opposition within the alternative media to reveal their true colors and throw in with the first controllable, in their view, America first leader other than Trump they could find. Number two, in announcing his announcement eight days in advance, Trump was able to both put the media industrial complex and all its architects on the back foot while provoking them into the premature weaponization of anti-Trump and anti-MAGA America First narratives that would have been best held until we were deep into the swing of the 2024 election cycle. Now their ammunition is spent, and while the MAGA waters are calming, they have one less arrow of division in their increasingly light quiver. Finally, number three, Trump's announcement may have also provoked an actual event on the other side of the world, drawing out one of the most potent and thankfully unsuccessful deployments deployments from the enemy's cache, that being the attempt to frame an errant missile strike on Polish, also known as NATO, territory as being the work of an aggressive and unhinged unhinged Russia. Taken together, these objectives represent a veritable coup on the part of Trump and his allies to both smoke out those in our movement, who are a little more than charlatans at best and malicious Judas goats at worst, while also causing some of the few kinetic hot factions to reveal themselves on the international game board so that they might first be exposed and later be removed either by American or more likely allied Russian forces so that the next errant strike is even less successful than the last. Applying bicameral thinking to this framework, we might also start to see the many ways in which Trump and his allies' deployments serve not only the aforementioned ends targeted at the various enemy factions, but also serve to simultaneously seed the collective mind with some of the Marco concepts that this truth community has been engaging with for years. From false flags to the inherent complexity at the heart of fifth-generation warfare, the reachable minds within the society we are ostensibly trying to free from the grips of globalist subversion needs not fully engage with these complex topics to begin to get basic understanding that Ukraine and its leadership aren't quite what the media industrial complex first portrayed, just as their supposed invaders aren't quite the mustache-twirling villains that the news chirons and breathless social media reactions sold to them back in February and March. As I often say, one need not adopt your paradigm or worldview in order for you to gain a market advantage or to make significant progress toward feeling them from the matrix that we see more clearly every day. Instead, by provoking them to first examine and later potentially reject the paradigm they were either born into or programmed into, we have successfully unchained a trapped mind, one that may never fully adopt our paradigm, but that can no longer be used to advance theirs as part of the direct mass psychosis that has been engineered for decades to guide touchstone events within the American political, economic, and social theaters. I don't often talk about potential events as existing purely in the realm of the narrative, but some events, such as Ukraine's seeming attempt to frame Russia for the kickoff of World War III, fall into the realm of the actual, as well, in fact, some of the most effective and damaging events in human history represent a morbid, genius fusion of the actual and the potential while we will explore in greater detail in a future piece. 
While it seems that from reporting we have available to us, the actual event deployed by the powers that would be was successful in provoking the reaction it was meant to, the potential event, that being the attempt to frame Russia as responsible for said actual event, fell apart in the span of 12 hours due in no small part to the cognitive and ruthless logical attention to detail and hive mind and hive mind decentralized coordination of this community and those adjacent to it had nato ukraine and their twin actual potential deployments been successful we might have seen the entire world change on a dime spilling us into a horrible pre-planned cascade of actual and potential dominoes en route to the forced reset of our world as it devolved into the blissful to them chaos of opportunity represented by global war. You are powerful and you are powerful because you can choose to become part of a growing decentralized we that increases in influence, complexity, and sovereignty by the day. We have patriots fighting for us at the highest levels of the military and political structures. We examine on the various fronts in the information war, but they cannot be everywhere at once, and they cannot fight every battle for us. Donald Trump may have gotten out ahead of the latest attempt by the powers that would be to drag humanity into another dark, bloody chapter, but we, the decentralized, self-affirming, and self-actualizing collective, rather than the program mindless and zombified collective they sought to create are the ones who hold the key to stopping such deployments in their tracks through the mass investigation of dissection and of dissemination of the stories before the first act ever gets going. Got to jump in here because we're up against the clock. Where can people find this this particular article if they'd like to go back and check it out? They've heard most of it. There's actually like one paragraph left. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Badlands Media. Mm-hmm. And and squeeze it in here real quick. I appeal to allusions to the beast in my writing because it is the most apt way I have found to describe what it is we're up against as we attempt to take back this nation and this world from the controllers. The beast is the system of systems, and in order to take those systems down, they must first be recognized for what they are. From the political to the narrative, the cultural to the social, we are leveling up as they continue to spiral. So next time you find yourself clenching your fist and jaw as the engineered tension threatens to boil over into a pre-planned MAGA split, even something so dramatic and final as the world war that I believe will never be actualized, remember the last day they tried to provoke us into killing our brothers and sisters for the last light, and remember how quickly we exposed their attempt and brought it all crashing down around them. We are in a war for peace, and we are winning. Until next time, stay positive, stay based, and more importantly, stay bright. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you hanging out with me today. 906, folks, we need to jump in with our semi-top of the hour uh, information break. <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, thanks to JR for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll see you back again here soon, my friend. Uh, until that time, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, all the good stuff that comes along with it for you and your family. Thanks for the invite, Bernsey. Absolutely anytime. Dave Maupin is on the way in next. We'll continue on with this Friday edition of The Daily Show after we take care of some business. Stacy Johnson, Chris Schneider, and, of course, a big thanks to you for tuning in to The Daily Show. It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm 
I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, December 2nd. The sale of a beautiful home on Shawnee Bend will help feed the needy at Lake of the Ozarks. Dave Leathers, owner of Lake of the Ozarks headquartered publishing company, Showcase Publishing, presented a check for $5,000 to representatives from Share the Harvest on Tuesday, November 29th. The donation was made possible by the sale of the Inspiration Home, a Southern-inspired home built by Showcase Publishing on Shawnee Bend. On November 8th, Missourians voted yes on Amendment 3, which legalized recreational use of marijuana. Starting December 8th, the state will begin transitioning its medical marijuana license to recreational ones. The transition process will take until February, so that means recreational marijuana should be available in a few months. Consumers will be allowed to have three ounces of dried marijuana flour or its equivalent. More information about marijuana in Missouri at lakeexpo.com. And Christmas festivities galore this weekend. There will be tree lighting ceremonies in Camden and Stover and sales on Saturday, as well as the Eldon Lighted Christmas Parade. Two charitable events are also happening this weekend. Lake Area Christmas for Kids will be held at the Encore, and Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue will host their popular holidays with the Horses event. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Like news events, boating, and the lake life, Lake expo.com Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-2800-532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. We've got three high school football state championship games today. Class 2, 4, and 5. In Class 2, it'll be Blair Oaks taking on Lamar for the championship. Class 4, St. Mary's of St. Louis against St. Dominic. That's uh, for the Class 4 title. And in Class 5, Fort Osage and Francis Howell will play for the state title. Two more games tomorrow. Class 1, it's East Buchanan against Adrian. And in Class 3, Cardinal Ritter will take on Reed Spring. Class 6 state championship was played last weekend. Christian Brothers College, an overtime winner over Lee's Summit North. As for high school basketball, Lake TV's high school basketball action will start Thursday, December 15th with for sales at home to Smith Cotton. You can see that game on Lake TV. And then Monday, December 19th, it's the annual rivalry showdown between Camdenton and Osage. See that game on Lake TV on Monday, December 19th. That's high school basketball coming up on Lake TV. Football last night, it was the Bills beating New England to get the uh, week started in the NFL, Week 13. Chiefs will take on the Bengals, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. That's in Cincinnati. Chiefs are 9-2. and two, The Bengals are 7-4, and four, both red hots of late. The Chiefs have scored 326 points, given up 243. That means they've outscored their opponents by 83 so far this year. Chiefs with a 3 
three-game division lead on the Chargers. College football, so it's conference championship weekend. Last weekend before uh, the bowl games and the the, uh, national semifinals, the college football playoff rankings, top four right now are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC followed by Ohio State and Alabama. College hoops, tomorrow it's the MSU Bears. They're 4-3 at home to Bradley. On Sunday, 8-0 Mizzou will be at home against SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. They're all greatness. And don't forget to check out Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour on Lake TV. He's got some trivia for you and so much more. That's Uncle Chris on Lake TV, top of the hours. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire and streaming live all the time at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. This is Bill Munhausen for Creation Expo. Is the Earth just a speck in the cosmic void, or are we living on a privileged planet? Researchers at the Discovery Institute have been pioneers in identifying intelligent design in nature, and our planet seems perfectly configured and placed in the universe for our advantage. Its distance from the sun provides the best range of temperature, The magnetic field and atmosphere shield light from harmful radiation. Our placement in the galaxy finds us outside of the densely crowded galactic center. Our galactic location even gives us nights that are dark enough for stellar observation and discovery. Evolutionary scientists say the presence of all these factors is just luck, but that doesn't sound very scientific to me. Our planet was designed not just for us to live, but also to explore and learn about the cosmos. Maybe it's we who are privileged. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, The Key. 
Hey, welcome back. It is hour number two of the Daily Show. I got to play some little uh, something here real quick. I just I came across this and I thought, man, this is this is kind of cool. Let's let's play this real quick here and see if we can get this on without a whole lot of issues and problems. <laughs> Is it making me sink question? How's your goldfish? Run away? Then you better call a You can make just about any kind of problem water. Problem free. Excuse me, I gotta, I gotta go find my fish. To celebrate, to celebrate the, the new, new year, year, get a filter, get a filter to, reduce to reduce lead, taste, taste and odors in your, in your drinking water for just nineteen ninety six. Hey, Culligan, man, that's one of my all-time favorites. A shout-out to Matt. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses, too? Hey, Culligan, man! A Culligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Dave Maupin joins us in the studio here this morning. We'll uh, hear what's on his mind as we uh, get into uh, another beautiful day at the lake. What's going on weather-wise? Well, it looks like at this point we'll hit a high today of about 62 and drop down to uh, 24, 25 for the overnight low. It says 27 now and maybe some showers early and then clearing 53 degrees in Osage Beach, 53 in Camdenton as we broadcast live from our our wonderful studio here at the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. You can check us out on the SRG Financial Advisors key radio in studio live cam. And we say good morning to Dave Maupin. What's up, my friend? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just Jim Danny. It's been a great week. Uh, looks like we're going to get into another great holiday weekend at the lake with all kinds of fun stuff going on. And uh, the spirit of Christmas is upon us. That's all I got. That's it. All right. <laughs> that means I got to put my lights up. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Yeah, you do. Well, <laughs> my neighborhood, there's competition, I think. So oh, is there. it really? Is it competitive in the neighborhood? A little bit, yeah. Do, do, the, uh, do the guys go around kind of bragging about, yeah, you know, I added this uh, new Santa and his sleigh with all kinds of cool lights. and Yeah, it's not It's not too bad. I don't, it's not overt, but there is definitely pressure, I think, to, to take care of your yard and Put the decorations out and all that stuff. So. Now, you remember back in the day uh, when the electric meter was on your house, and it was round and covered with glass, and it had that little metal piece at the bottom, and it had the little black portion that was painted on there, and you could watch it go around and around and around, and the more electricity you used, the faster it went. Sure. I would imagine if we still had those, some of those things would be getting worn out with the amount of electricity that people are using for Christmas decorations, because it's not just putting up the lights on the house and a few things uh, in the yard. I mean, like you said, it has become a, uh, a competition. Every year, and I remember this years ago, there was a guy, and he was like a mobile DJ. His name was Tony Toko. And Tony lived over up in uh, North County, and he used to decorate his house. Before this whole adding music to the lights got sure. popular. Oh, yeah. And he was doing something like that. And I think he was one of the actual innovators of that technique. And people would go by. I think he'd have it done like right around Thanksgiving or so and keep it up for the entire year, or entire month. And then maybe a week or so after Christmas so people could come by. But he had that sucker all decorated. And you knew exactly. I, I'm sure his neighbors were not happy with yeah, that Yeah, I don't whatsoever. think that. I could see there being issues there. <laughs> because you go to swing by his house and there is a line of traffic down the street. 
And yeah, I, I don't know if he cleared it with them or if maybe he paid them off a little bit to. I think the music would get a little old after a while too. Yeah. So anyway, I remember doing that years ago, and and that was, and he kind of started the competition in the neighborhood because I remember you go through there, and as you start to get closer to his house, the uh, the Christmas lights really increased in uh, in size and severity. Yeah, I think that's that would definitely up the game quite a bit. Yeah. So uh what have you been up to since we talked to you last? Well, we had a uh we didn't talk about it last show, but there was a uh, commission meeting uh-huh. on I believe it was Thursday, uh last Thursday, and uh the big thing at that meeting was uh the tunnel dam. Right. And so show me power. Uh, they, there was a bunch of different rezoning things, but uh the, the the big thing happened at the end when show me power basically came and and uh they 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 want to basically get rid of the dam uh-huh. you know uh, the, uh people who don't know the tunnel dam is is you know it's a it's a dam but there's it's called the tunnel dam because there's a small tunnel that the water runs through and at the end of that tunnel there's like a power station and there's uh two turbines there and then i guess the the water rushing through that tunnel is what powers those turbines turbines turbine turbines turbine Tomato, tomato, potato, yeah, potato. English, I, English. Have you American? been out there to see it? Have you seen it? No, Bill Mulder wants to take me out there. He wants to show me around. Go with him. Yeah. It will just, it will blow your mind because it's one thing to drive by and look down on it, but it's another thing that Bill will take you through all the hills and valleys and the drive to get there is, is pretty fun. And then you come around a corner and boom, there it is. And, and, and he and I did a segment on Lake TV about Tunnel Dam and it's just incredible. It well, is just amazing. It, yeah. So it doesn't seem to be, my, my impression is it's not making money for them. Uh, I think if it was profitable, they wouldn't be interested in getting rid of it. Um, one of the turbines, I guess, broke down, so there's only one of them that's working now. And uh, they were saying they, the the decision for them is they have to get licenses with FERC. So they were looking at renewing the license, and it, they estimated it was going to cost them between like five and eight million dollars over the next thirty, forty years in maintenance if they wanted to keep it operating. So yeah, they're not real keen on that idea. So they're really looking to decommission the power plant. Um, there's a variety of different things, uh, that they can do. Um, one is they just basically leave the dam in place and lock up the power station, plug the tunnel. And I think they said that was going to cost them around $2 million to do all the way up to the middle decision was to, I guess, create a spillway Mm -hmm. and then finally just to get rid of the dam completely and have it just be a river. And, uh, I think that cost was at least $20 million it was going to cost them to demo that dam. So you, you can kind of guess which one they'd rather do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're much more encouraging about uh, just shutting down the power station and costing $2 million. Uh, the, the challenge for them is they have to have some kind of agreement with the, uh, a government organization. Uh, they think that'll help FERC approve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, were, they wanted to, to basically get some kind of memorandum of understanding with uh, Camden County so there would be a government agency affiliated with. Now, they said they would be the ones that handled the dam. They would do yearly checks on the dam to make sure it was okay, um, stuff like that. The interesting thing is if the dam is 35 feet high, then there's a dam safety unit at DNR that will take over the dam. Mm-hmm. The dam was 33 and a half feet high. <laughs> so, and, and uh, Commissioner Hasty actually said, you know, our best approach might be, uh, let's go get another measurement on that dam and see if we can find a spot where it's 35 feet. I was going to say, amazingly, on the second go around, there was uh, something there that was 35 feet. Yeah, I mean, can't you just get out there and dig a little bit and then measure that spot? <laughs> but yeah, so that's the cutoff. We missed it by a foot and a half, apparently. So uh, so that's that's the big 
thing if we can get that done. Now, it's, so it's a question of, like a lot of people use that area for recreation. Uh, they like the way the dam's laid out currently uh, for fishing and and things like that. And there's homeowners in the area who do also like the fact that there's this large, shallow, you know, basically reservoir that's created by the dam that maybe is up against their properties. Mm-hmm. They're used to using the lake for recreation, so they're not going to be super happy if the dam is then basically if you if you demolish the dam then it's a pretty shallow uh, basin they're going to basically have just a giant sandbar at next to their property where they used to have this nice lake where they could swim around and so that's going to be the big decision i guess it's interesting how long tunnel dam has been around and nobody's paid to to it and now that you know they're talking about demolishing it then uh, everybody's a little uptight about it and 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 interestingly enough people that you wouldn't normally think that might, you know, want to get involved in, in how they're going to handle this. Uh, the maintenance, I'm sure, is probably the biggest issue because at some point, you know, you're not going to keep spending money on it to maintain it. So uh, inevitably, it uh, more or less might have to come down. I'm sure there's some issues with the Department of Conservation. Uh, you mentioned DNR. Uh, there are a lot of different things. Now, in this day and age, uh, before, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they probably would have gone in just, just and just dynamite it. it. Yeah. <laughs> they just blown it up. And now, you know, you have to uh, probably conduct a series of environmental studies and see what kind of wildlife is around, see what kind of aquatic life is around, plant life, all of that, and uh, then kind of make your determination based on that. Yeah, I think anytime you're looking to change things, that's going to bother people. To some extent, you know, like, well, I mean, look at what MoDOT has to do in order to conduct business. And I know there's certain times of the year that they can't work in certain areas because of a specific type of bat that is in the area. And then uh, Ameren with what they have to do in order to meet FERC requirements. And now a large part of that does contain, uh, you know, dealing with the environment. Yeah, they did say they'd gone out and tried to find, like, they think there's certain species in the area. Uh, one of them, they, they couldn't find it. The other one, they found, like, a, it was some kind of mollusk or something, but they found a, a dead shell of one of them. And that was it. <laughs> they weren't able, I don't know that they located any living species. Uh, any living examples of the actual species that they were looking for in the area to see if they were out there. Um, yeah, I mean, they've tried to sell it and nobody wanted to buy it, you know, because again, I don't think it generates a whole lot of power. And the other problem is any other electric company, I guess the way the lines are set up, show me power is kind of all around it. And so if, even if someone did buy the dam, it would be difficult for them to get that power out of there to sell on the market or anything like that. You need to go out there because it's a very, very interesting setup how, you can drive by and look down on it and then actually go around. And, you know, for years, people have gone out there and kind of set up along on the on the rocks and, you know, made little campfires and, and hung out by it. And it's it's really kind of a neat thing to see. I, I, I thought it was just amazing. You come around the corner and there it is just uh, in all its glory. It would be a shame to see it to get torn down. It certainly would. But as is the case, I guess, you know, if it's not making money, then... Uh, it we, looks. It we looks, know how things end up there. It, it looks like they're leaning to just keeping it there, yeah. just because one, Show Me Power does not want to spend twenty million dollars, and uh, you know I think that there was a lot of feedback from uh, local people that they liked it the way it is as far as recreation. So, I mean, I guess the real question is, like you said, if can you trust Show Me Power to forty years from now agree that they're going to keep maintaining this dam? Right. Like when some issue comes up or something like that. Second phone call. Caller, good morning. You are on The Daily Show. What's up? 
Hey, good morning. You know, one of the problems we've got here with this thing is, is the same thing that us here in the Midwest gave California a hard time for about the doggone smelt fish. So they tore out their reservoirs and started dumping fresh water into the ocean instead of using it for irrigation. And here we have a situation, and I asked Show Me Power if they could be uh, profitable if it wasn't for all the FERC and other regulations that they had to deal with. They couldn't give me the answer because... I guess these companies, and I I know the federal government's got them over a barrel in a lot of different ways. These companies are so used to having to deal with these regulations that they don't even consider that there's another way anymore. And uh, I just find it unfortunate that uh, this entire situation is occurring. Uh, You know, if it's not profitable for Show Me Power to run it, um, that's fine then, shut it down. But FERC and the EPA want it destroyed because uh, because of the doggone fish or, or a salamander or some other... Uh, crud like that. That's it's a mollusk. A there was a mollusk. A lot of things. That, that, <laughs> a, a mollusk. You know, it's the same problem we have with uh, um, the, a lot of the creeks. We can't we can't dig uh, creek gravel out anymore mm-hmm. because of again uh, a salamander or whatever the heck it is going on, the hellbender or what have you. And and now uh, the farmers are complaining because when the water does flood, it's now running out into their fields. It's bringing a lot of uh, gravel into their fields, and it's washing the topsoil uh, down the river. And so you tell me which is more environmentally problematic, well, all the silt that is now being brought into the into the waterway or, or if we would just, you know, dig some gravel out of it once in a while. Case, so, in, you know, case in point that is getting uh, national attention is uh, these lobster fishermen up in Maine. And now they can no longer fish for these lobsters. Well, uh, their nets that they use apparently could very easily ensnag some sort of a whale. There's like 350 of these uh, a particular species of whale left. And there's never been any evidence that their, that their nets have done any harm or killed any of these whales that they're talking about. So uh, it, it was all started, I believe, by Whole Foods who decided that they didn't want to purchase these lobsters anymore because this specific whale, I guess, I, I, I would imagine if there's only 350 of the species left, it would be considered an endangered species. But the governor of the state of Maine has come out and said that there is absolutely no proof whatsoever that these lobster fishermen – Whose, uh, 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 whose jobs are in jeopardy because somebody, you know, decided to hop on the environmental soapbox, uh, has said that there is absolutely no proof whatsoever that these nets have have, 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 have harmed, damaged, or even killed uh, this particular species of whale that they're talking about. So uh, there you go once again. Uh, with that uh, type of talk, and, uh, you know, it's prevalent all over the United States. But then you look at some of these companies that uh, dispose of uh, uh, nuclear waste and how they do that. Well, you know, if you got the money and you got the lawyers, I guess you can pretty much do whatever you want there, no matter how that harms the environment that it is uh, placed in, whether it's buried in the ground. And then I I think, do you remember a few years ago when I believe it was out in, uh, in, in Colorado where they opened up a mine shaft and they found some yeah. sort of chemicals out in Colorado and uh, there was a big deal about that because I think it was getting into the water uh, the uh, aquifer uh, and, and, and the river and things surrounding the area but we haven't really heard much about that so I would imagine it was something that was handled probably uh, taken care of out of court so as not to give the company that put the uh, 
the chemicals or the waste there in the first place, a black eye. But it's interesting how this works. You know, uh, we talk about the needs of the people versus the needs of these big companies that have a lot of money to bury the issue and to uh, to get away with whatever it is they want to get away with. Well, it's all a, it's all a, it's all a hoax, and it's, it's a bunch of it's a, it's a shell game, and it's a way for a lot of these agencies to exist, and a lot of other uh, environmentalist groups to suck money uh, out of the taxpayer's pocket through the EPA and other things. Do you know they're allowed to sue the EPA uh, because the EPA isn't doing their job, and then these uh, environmentalist organizations get millions of dollars in damages of our taxpayers sure. so that they can continue their organization and give the EPA a problem. So it's time the states start asserting their Tenth Amendment uh, sovereignty protections and start telling a government to, what is it, KB? Go, Go pound, pound sand. sand. <laughs> Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you, sir, and thank you for the phone call this morning. And I think that is, uh, again, another area where, uh, you know, you see what's going on on the surface. There is the need to protect a particular species of animal or uh, mollusk or whatever, plant life. And in, in, in doing so, you just destroy people's lives, their careers, and you, uh, you, you know, you get a lot of taxpayer dollars that are going to these groups and organizations, right? Who, I, you know, and 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 I can understand. I'm about doing things the right way. I think most people are. Well, well, with the lobster thing, it's interesting because it is kind of arbitrary. Where last year, I guess it was fine, yeah. and the year before that, it was okay. Uh-huh. But then you have this environmental group that says this year, okay, now there's a problem. And yeah. then Whole Foods, of course, is afraid to go against any kind of environmental group. So then they're like, okay, we're not going to sell any of these lobsters yeah. now. Last year it was okay. <laughs> the past 30 years it's been Well, fine. then what they need to do is they need to say, okay, fine. If these, are, if these guys aren't going to be able to lobster fish, then what we need to do is find them the types of jobs that are comparable to what they do at the – uh, at the kind of pay that they make, and and as far as any benefits or anything else that they get as a result of being a lobster fisherman. I'm sure not every day is a great day to go out and be a lobster fisherman, but if it's your way of life, it's what you've known for years, and so many families up in that area are with fishing, uh, lobsters, crab, whatever, uh, then okay, fine, compensate these people and con- compensate them handily. But, oh, wait, if we do that, then we get into that whole taxpayer dollars thing uh, yet again, because you folks decided you wanted to stir the pot. Well, right. It yeah. is what it is. 933, we'll step aside and come back with more of Dave Maupin, and uh, we'll talk, I guess, a little bit more about Tunnel Dam. Uh, sure. I think we, we probably covered it all. But all right. Very good. And then uh, the the most recent commission meeting that you yeah, attended? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk it real quick. And then we'll get to talk some police stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That's stuff. always cool. It is The Daily Show right here on 89.3, keyradio.live, free apps for your iPhone and Android. And, of course, the SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in-studio live cam. You're getting all of it and not having to pay a dime. Uh, unless, of course, you'd like to make a donation to Key Radio. We would always appreciate that. Or maybe you'd like to support us through, uh, you know, some uh, some timely messages from your company about what you do here at the Lake of the Ozarks. There's ways to do it all. Uh, feel free to ask me anytime. You are listening to The Daily Show. I'm Stacey Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, December 2nd. 
The sale of a beautiful home on Shawnee Bend will help feed the needy at Lake of the Ozarks. Dave Leathers, owner of Lake of the Ozarks headquartered publishing company, Showcase Publishing, presented a check for $5,000 to representatives from Share the Harvest on Tuesday, November 29th. The donation was made possible by the sale of the Inspiration Home, a Southern-inspired home built by Showcase Publishing on Shawnee Bend. On November 8th, Missourians voted yes on Amendment 3, which legalized recreational use of marijuana. Starting December 8th, the state will begin transitioning its medical marijuana license to recreational ones. The transition process will take until February, so that means recreational marijuana should be available in a few months. Consumers will be allowed to have three ounces of dried marijuana flour or its equivalent. More information about marijuana in Missouri at lakeexpo.com. And Christmas festivities galore this weekend. There will be tree lighting ceremonies in Camdenton, Stover, and Versailles on Saturday, as well as the Eldon Lighted Christmas Parade. Two charitable events are also happening this weekend. Lake Area Christmas for Kids will be held at the Encore, and Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue will host their popular holidays with the Horses event. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Like news events, boating, and the lake life, Lake Expo.com. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what. What were the events? What are the things behind the scenes here? What, what led to this? Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present-day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why. It, well, it's because the news told us. Join Professor Jim Paisley Thursdays and Saturdays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. for the True History Professor program on 89.3 The Key. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this TGIF Friday. We've got three high school football state championship games today. Class 2, 4, and 5. In Class 2, it'll be Blair Oaks taking on Lamar for the championship. Class 4, St. Mary's of St. Louis against St. Dominic. Uh, That's for the Class 4 title. And in Class 5, Fort Osage and Francis Howell will play for the state title. Two more games tomorrow. Class 1, it's East Buchanan against Adrian. And in Class 3, Cardinal Ritter will take on Reed Spring. Class 6 state championship was played last weekend. Christian Brothers College, an overtime winner over Lee's Summit North. As for high school basketball, Lake TV's high school basketball action will start Thursday, December 15th, with for sales at home to Smith Cotton. You can see that game on Lake TV. And then Monday, December 19th, it's the annual rivalry showdown between Camdenton and Osage. See that game on Lake TV on Monday, December 19th. That's high school basketball coming up on Lake TV. 
football last night. It was the Bills beating New England to get the uh, week started in the NFL, Week 13. Chiefs will take on the Bengals, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. That's in Cincinnati. Chiefs are 9-2. and two. The Bengals are 7-4, and four, both red hots of late. The Chiefs have scored 326 points, given up 243. That means they've outscored their opponents by 83 so far this year. Chiefs with a three-game division lead on the Chargers. College football, so it's conference championship weekend. Last weekend before uh, the bowl games and the the, uh, national semifinals, the college football playoff rankings, top four right now are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC followed by Ohio State and Alabama. College hoops, tomorrow it's the MSU Bears. They're 4-3 at home to Bradley. On Sunday, 8-0 Mizzou will be at home against SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. They're all greatness. And don't forget to check out Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour on Lake TV. He's got some trivia for you and so much more. That's Uncle Chris on Lake TV, top of the hours. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku and Amazon Fire and streaming live all the time at my. LakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. This is Happy Headlines. I'm the host, David Beach, bringing you good news and heartwarming stories to help you through your day. Every one of them. Seriously, like seven days a week. I'm here. Here's today's story. Patrick Mertens needed a kidney, and his daughter Kayla shared about his need on Facebook in January. Now, when people need kidney transplants, it can take years to finally get one. It's not uncommon for there to be quite a long line of people waiting for a transplant. Patrick is 64 years old and a school custodian, but he had not told any of his co-workers at Kimball Elementary School in Kimball, Minnesota, about his situation because he didn't want to inconvenience them and because he was more than thankful that they had set up a fundraiser to support his dialysis. But when Erin Durga, who is a third-grade teacher at Kimball, saw the Facebook post, she knew she had to do something. She reached out to him, and after undergoing tests, she got to know she was a match. The Mertens family could not believe it. Who expects a teacher to give their kidney to a custodian, said Mertens' wife, Linda. Aaron says that as a child, her father was a school band director for 30 years, and he told her that the first people she should befriend in a school are the building workers, which she obeyed with all her heart. She met Patrick after she moved to Minnesota in 2011, the same year Patrick moved too. After school, they would have chats about their kids, and Aaron learned that Patrick's wife ran a daycare facility, the same place her son Roan went, where the youngsters called Patrick Papa. Patrick and Aaron arrived at M Health Fairview University of Minnesota Medical Center in Minneapolis. Initially, Patrick was nervous, but Aaron calmed him down and insisted on speaking with him. After multiple requests, the hospital allowed her to speak with him and assured him that the surgery would be successful. The kidney transplant was a success, and Patrick has been calling Aaron an angel ever since. I told Aaron when I first woke up out of surgery, it was nothing I've ever felt before. It was a new life. And though the pandemic has kept them apart for a while, he still calls and sends flowers from time to time with thankfulness. Patrick's wife says she's our miracle. Our angel will forever be grateful for. Well done, Aaron. That is commitment. That isn't just making someone's day. That's making someone's life. And it's definitely making a happy headline. Thank you for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and find a way to make someone's day. 
If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3 The Key. Right back here at 942, and uh, just kind of a heads up to let you know uh, about some of the programming that we've got lined up for you. On Monday, Sheriff Tony Helms, Camden County Sheriff Tony Helms, will join me in the 8 o'clock hour, and Camden County Commissioner James Gohagen will be my guest in the 9 o'clock hour. Some interesting things going on there. Did a little uh, looking into the books, and some interesting things have uh, have come to light. But uh, we will talk to the sheriff in the 8 o'clock hour, Sheriff Tony Helms, and Commissioner James Gohagen in the 9 o'clock hour on the Monday edition of The Daily Show. 9.42 is our time. Dave Maupin is our guest among the, blog, among the Dogwoods blog. And how do folks sign up for that, Dave? Yeah, so you go to amongthedogwoods.blog. That's the, the web address. And then at the bottom of the front the home page, there's a little place where you can type in your email address, and you just press subscribe, and then you'll get emails every time I write something. Boo, yeah, simple and easy, and keeping up with what's going on in uh, in and around the area. Not just uh, Camden County Commission meetings, but you do the occasional school board meeting, maybe a special sure. road district meeting, or wherever Dave is uh, invited to sit in and, and, and get or some n- details. Or not invited, and <laughs> I just show up. <laughs> this is true. Those are the best ones, I think. Oh, my God. They're like, oh, no. Bobbin is here. Why is he here? Why? He's taking notes now. <laughs> Everybody, where's the back door to this place? Well, yes, yeah. So there were a couple other meetings this week, but frankly, they were boring. Like, right. I mean, like, one was the budget meeting on Tuesday, uh, and it, it just wasn't that great. I mean, I haven't even written it up yet because sometimes they're so boring that it's just like, I got, I got to get around to it, so I'll probably write it today. But uh, it was just about the budget and talking about the budget a bunch and then buying some stuff. So uh, there's probably not a lot for us to talk about there, but uh, we can talk about some other stuff. So uh, I uh, ran into a a young guy recently who was, uh, I guess he's going to be a deputy. He's a brand new deputy and he's going to be working somewhere else. But, you know, I was talking to him and I was thinking later about some advice I could have maybe given him because I was a police officer for, for quite a few years. And I think one of the, uh, the one things that I, one of the things I would tell a young police officer if uh, if they needed advice would be, I think one of the things that young police officers don't often do is they're afraid to call for backup. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this kind of idea that you want, you know, maybe you had a training officer with you, now you're out on your own. You don't want the other uh, officers on your shift to think that you can't handle business. So sometimes they're nervous about asking for help, you know, and my experience has been that it's better to have too many police officers at the scene than too few, because mm-hmm. once you realize you have too few there, it's too late. <laughs> it's going to go bad. Yeah. I think you told us about uh, uh, an incident sometime uh, ago with a gentleman where you walked up to a screen door and uh, some things happened there that didn't turn out very well. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's kind of like, um, again, one of those things where the, one of the problems is, so when you do request backup and the other officers get there and then they're like it wasn't a big deal, then they might make fun of you or something like that, and then you feel stupid because... At least you're alive to talk about it. Right, exactly. Like, who cares about that part of it? Uh, And so part of that that issue is, uh, I think, with all the retirements that are happening on departments, like for me, I probably had a good another five, ten years left to work as a police officer. I ended up retiring early because I was out in Los Angeles and I couldn't take the environment anymore. I wanted to get my family out of there. But that's what's really tough for police departments now because now you're going to see a lot of younger guys where a lot of the senior guys, 
left. Uh-huh. And so now suddenly there's this, this vacuum there. Um, I remember when I was a sergeant, uh, like for, for some examples of maybe having a little bit more experience. When I was a sergeant, we had a, a, a big operation going on. So there were going to be a, a lot of different search warrants. We had a lot of different teams all over the county. And so I was assigned to, it, to work with a team that I normally didn't work with. And so we showed up for a little briefing in the parking lot. We were going to do a search warrant at a house. And uh, so they did, the, we, they did the briefing. I sat in on the briefing. Um, and then I kind of just did some of the things I would normally do. Like I would tell the guys once the briefing's over, like, does anybody have any questions or any issues with the plan mm. on how we're going to go hit this house. Because now is the time to raise those issues if you have an issue. Absolutely. Not, not as we're walking up to the door. <laughs> if you're confused about any aspect of this plan, mm-hmm. now is when you bring it up. Not, not when we're there. Uh, and so for this particular one, and some of the other things I would usually tell the guys is, hey, this is a fraud case. So... You know, some of you might be thinking it's going to be a milk run. We're just going to go over there and we're going to get in the house and we're going to search. I said, but what you need to do is as you're going over there, uh, don't be thinking about where you're going to go eat afterwards. You should be thinking, okay, what am I going to do if the guy comes out and he has a gun? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And I said, these are things you should play in through your head because that way, if that incident does happen, your mind will respond in a way that's like, okay, I kind of, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of building that neural pathway for yourself. So you maybe can save yourself a second or two when you're there and the guy does have a gun. I would think that that would definitely be a good time to do an equipment check. Right. So all that stuff, right? That's another thing I would do. I would make the guys line up, like we would usually line up in front of the door, you know, like in a stick. So we'd Mm -hmm. have the point guy, you'd have the team leader, uh, guy with the ram, guy with the beanbag shotgun, guy with the, the pry tool. I would make them all line up in the order that they would actually line up in front of the door during the briefing. Was the point man the guy who drew the short straw? <laughs> yeah, he's usually the guy who has to knock on the door and yeah, yell. Yeah. Uh, but, but so what would happen is when you did that, then you would be standing during the briefing, but you would also be, you could see, okay, Bill's going to be in front of me, Jim's going to be behind me. And we would have it sometimes where I'm like, okay, uh, so we're all lined up. I'm like, who's got the ram? The guy's like, well, I'm the ram. I'm like, where's your ram? Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I'm like, is it in your car? And then you realize we don't have a ram. So we were about to go hit the house or, you know, like some guy, oh, I left it in my partner's car and it's actually over there. You know what I mean? Like, so, so this way you could be sure when you're, you need, right? when you're getting the briefing that we all have, cause I'd be like, well, who has the rifle? No, like George is the rifle guy. I'm like, well, why isn't he holding a rifle then? Where's his rifle? You know, so you work that stuff out. You practice like it's the real deal. Right. In the parking lot yeah. at the grocery store. Not when we're getting out of our cars and getting ready to line up. Suddenly somebody's like, oh my gosh, I don't have the Ram. So uh, in this particular one, we get up there, we're lined up, we go up to the house, it's 7 in the morning, because 7 in the morning is generally in, when we're going to hit it, that's a legal requirement in California, uh, unless you have some kind of nighttime service exception. And so, uh, and again, these are guys that I don't normally work with, so they aren't from my unit, but uh, so they hit the door, bang, 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 police, we have a search warrant, open the door, and no answer. And so it's like... 15 seconds go by, team leader hits it again, bang, 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 police, open the door, we have a search warrant. No answer. So then he's like, bring up the ram. And I was like, hold on, no, wait a sec, like, hold on. And then he's like, I want the ram up. I'm like, hold off for a second. And then like maybe 10 seconds later, someone opens the door. Mm-hmm. The, the dad opens the door, there's a bunch of kids, the mom, well, 
it's they're they just got woken up by someone banging on their door yeah. right and so these guys are mad at me so you know i could tell there was going to be some anger because they're they're getting a little pissy with me because i didn't let them ram the door when they wanted to right so afterwards we do the debrief uh, you know, after we we finished the search warrant, and I told him, okay, let's hear about it. I know you guys. I heard some of you guys whining over in the corner about how I didn't let you ram it. So let's just get it all out now, um, because think about it. It's like that first knock on your door that wakes you up. Yeah. Then you're waiting. Like, did you hear something? And then you might hear the second announcement: bang, 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 police. Now you're like, okay, let me get some pants on. Yeah. Let me get the shirt on. Right. So. If instead of waiting for you to get to the door, what would happen if suddenly somebody started ramming your door uh, with a ram, and you're like... Scaring the crap out of the kids. Right. Kids and, are all standing there crying, and then they're in the way. Yeah, and like it's gone from a situation... It, it, there are some criminals who would, oh, the police are at my door. I'm going to get a gun, and I'm going to shoot it out with them. Mm -hmm. Sure. Most criminals are like... I need to hide this gun. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, they're not looking to get into a shootout at seven in the morning with the police because they're not even a hundred percent sure why you're there. Now, do you have somebody on the back of the house? We would usually have people watch the back, but if it was it was something where like we were just trying to get the house itself, like we weren't looking to make an arrest. Like right. if we were making an arrest in addition to that, we would have scouts. In fact, I always made them send out scouts even while we're briefing. Mm -hmm we would have two guys go out and sit on the house in an undercover car. Right. That way you know, oh, geez, right before we hit the door, like uh, uh, 32 Rolling Crips gangsters dro drove up and are in the house now. You know, they've just, got a dog or something like that. Right, or yeah. maybe they left. Yeah. You might see the guy you want to talk to in the search warrant. He just got in his car and drove to work, and you're oblivious to that because you didn't have anyone watching the house. And it looks kind of stupid when you break his door down. Yeah, so, so my, my point with these guys was it's like, which is a more dangerous situation? Right. We knock on the door and because they would, they were like, "Oh, it's, we're in the fatal funnel. We're outside the house in the front." I'm like, "Okay, well, it's they know the inside of their house, right? It's much easier if they come out to us and we can pull them out because we also have people called uh, uh, like we have uh, grabbers or people mm -hmm. in the back who are there to handle. So we pass people back. They search them, pat them down, and then they kind of keep control of them. Maybe they handcuff them or maybe they just sit them down by the right. driveway." Um, so they handle the people as they're coming out. The idea is we want everybody out of the house, and then we want to go in and do a search. And we'll say, hey, is there anybody else in the house? They're like, no. So then we go in. There might still be somebody in the house, but at least we've got mostly everyone out. If you've changed it to now where you're ramming the door, mm -hmm. and now you're going to be going to have this big confrontation, it, I think it, you're almost encouraging the type of incident that you're theoretically trying to avoid, right. where now they're not thinking the police are at my door. Now they're thinking, geez, somebody is trying to smash my door down. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go get that gun. And I'm then, now you're creating this confrontation. And uh, they, like I said, they have kids in the house. or they, they probably don't even know that you're the police. They might not be aware who you are because everything's happening so quickly. So th that's what I kind of tried to tell the guys where I was like, we don't need to be in a rush all the time. Like we can slow things down and take our time and you know solve this problem. That's when issues. That's when things happen. Yeah, you start making quick decisions, and suddenly you can get yourself in a lot more trouble than you're anticipating. And so, and again, what kind of crime are we investigating here? In this case, we're it's a financial crime, mm -hmm. so we're looking for computers, paperwork. Now, if it was a dope search warrant and you're worried they're gonna flush the dope down the toilet, yeah, that's sometimes where you might just ram the door and go in because you're worried they're gonna destroy evidence. In this case, they're not gonna really take a computer and try to flush it down the toilet, you know what I mean? Yeah, they might try to damage the computer or something, but you gotta think about what crime are we investigating, you know? So that's kind of the mentality, and that, that's, that's, I guess, is my point when I'm talking about more senior officers have done this before. Sure. And they know, 
yeah, rigidly, these guys were used to, we wait 30 seconds. If they don't open the door, we're going to ram the door. That's the easy approach. Technically, it's the easy approach because it doesn't require a lot of thought. Um, But you're actually creating a bigger problem because also the guy's not going to be real happy because you smashed his door in. Um, Less likely to cooperate with you, probably less likely to give you a good interview. Um, I've always wondered about that. You smash someone's door in. Are they responsible for replacing it? Um, the in in L.A. County, that we had a damage form we would give them. Right. But basically, if we were at the right address, we weren't paying the claim. Yeah. So only if we hit the wrong door would they ever pay for the door. Huh. So and, why you know, is that? Well, I mean, because that's well, that's another reason why you want to give them enough time to come to the door because that could become a legal issue later if they want to get that, their yeah. money back. But yeah, sometimes you will. Uh, have people who want to argue with you through the door. Like, I want to see your search warrant. And you're like, well, you don't have to show them the search warrant. So we'd be like, just open the door. Like one time I was interviewing a guy and he wouldn't open the door and we ended up ramming the door and he had been arguing with us through the door mm-hmm. as we were talking. He's like, I want to see the search warrant. And I was basically like at that point, okay, you know, we've told you we have a search warrant. You're still arguing at this point. This is a refusal. Mm-hmm. Like you're refusing to open. So we rammed it. So then when I was interviewing him later, I noticed he had this bruise on his forehead. And I'm like, Hey, what happened to your head? He goes, he was looking through the people <laughs> right when they ramped it. Oh, Lord. So the door it was pretty funny. But. Well, you think he would have seen that coming. Yeah. You know, but he, he was trying to argue with us the whole time about it. And, and no, they're not required to show you the search warrant, just so people know. Well, I mean, we would give them a copy usually as a courtesy, like a service copy, so they could see. It just helps things go a lot more smoothly when you're in the house with them. Um, but yeah, so that, that was something where I had to talk to these guys about it later where I'm like, yeah, I get it that you're hard chargers and you know, these guys had just been to some SWAT training. And so they wanted to, I think they wanted to try out their ramming techniques. And, and I, I said, yeah, well, technically you might be all right that you waited 30 seconds before you rammed the door. Right. I mean, let's use, use some common sense here, you know, as far as, but again, that's more just older guys versus younger guys, I think, you know, as far as that kind of thing. I got you there. And, and, and you know, there, there, you make an interesting point in this conversation that we're having. I think in any job, you always look to the employees that have been there longer, that have more experience, because they're obviously going to help you solve problems that right. you come across for one reason or another. And in a lot of instances, it's more than likely going to be something as far as a simple fix. Well, it's like the same way when I was there for a while and before I got promoted to sergeant, they uh, they gave us these new tactical uniforms we were supposed to wear. And they mm. were all bad looking and they, we looked tough with our big arm, arm ballistic vests. But they made all of our stuff subdued. So they did subdued patches. They did subdued badges. So it was black with like gray badge. Mm. Great. The problem was from 10 feet away, you couldn't see that we were police officers. So it looked like just a bunch of guys dressed in black. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our chief was like, hey, how does everyone like the uniforms? I'm like, yeah, I got a problem. Um, we're, we're walking around in these uniforms and no one knows we're the police. They, we look like a bunch of guys dressed in black carrying guns. I'm like, why don't we go back to our bright patches? He's like, oh, we thought that looked more tactical. I'm like, well... I said, we want them to know that we're the police. Like, we don't want to go to a door and hit the door and have them look outside and be like, oh, there's 10 guys in, dressed in black. Mm-hmm. Let's say they have a search warrant. Yeah, we, we want them to say, there's 10 police officers outside. I was like, Make no mistake. Because otherwise, again, you're creating the same problem that you're supposedly trying to avoid. And like, when you get into a shooting, one of the first things they're going to do, or at least we did, is they're going to take photographs of all the police officers that were in the shooting in their uniforms because the the first argument a suspect's going to make is, I didn't know they were the police. Mm-hmm. 
That's why I, got, I shot at the guy. So you want to take pictures and you want everybody to be clearly identified as police. Like, you know, that's why you'll see they have the bright white police things. Or, on the front, on the right? back. Because that's the whole idea. Their number one defense is going to be, we didn't know who they were. We thought it was some guys ripping us off. Or even if it's a drug house, we thought it was a, some other guys from another gang maybe ripping us off. It's not going to give your identity away. It's just going to it's going to just state the obvious that it's the police yeah. and, and no one else. Yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing, right? Like, and that's what I always try. So then my chief said something like, okay, well, why don't you write up a memo and I'll I'll think about it. And I was like, a memo? Like, I'm telling you about it now. You want me to write you a memo? I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to put in writing that one of your detectives thought that there was an issue with us not being able to be identified as police officers and search warrants. So then when there is a shooting, they're going to then do a discovery motion and that memo will be turned over <laughs> to the people suing our department that this issue was raised before. I'm like, what? that doesn't make any sense. You want to look like the smart guy there, chief. <laughs> you want to be like the... The guy that noticed that and detected it. Yeah. So that's one thing. Interesting, interesting stories that we get from our good friend, Mr. Dave Moppin, who is the author of the Among the Dogwoods blog. Again, easy to sign up. Go to amongthedogwoods.blog. Scroll down to the bottom, type in your email address, and you will get uh, one of these every time he sends them out. And so be looking for them. And it's a great way to keep up on what's happening here locally. Thank you for your time, sir. Oh, yeah. Thanks. My pleasure. Great to see you, right. and uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and a good Christmas is uh, is awaiting the Moppins. Yeah, hopefully. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> That's very reassuring, Dave. <laughs> Listen, folks, I uh, appreciate you having some fun with us this morning and joining us. My thanks to JR, my thanks to Dave, and importantly, uh, my thanks to you for uh, joining us on all of, all of our various uh, outlets. And we invite you right back here Monday morning at 8 a.m. on 89.3 KEYK Osage Beach, Missouri. It's a great day to be alive.